0: You've just got to find time to turn off your phone, turn off Skype, turn off Twitter, turn everything off, and just focus. And that's really the only way to get any amount of writing done.
1: Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Our co-host today is Laura Elgata from latanizadigital.com. Hey, Laura. Hey, Jared, how are you? I'm fantastic because we are fortunate today to speak with the Jared Morris. Jared is the Director for Content for Copyblogger Media. He's also the host and co-founder of The Assembly Call, which is a live expert reaction to every Indiana University basketball game. Jared is a writer, an editor, and one of the most creative podcasters that I have come across recently. You can check out his work by going to copyblogger.com and listen to the lead podcast. That's L-E-D-E. Jared, it is a pleasure to have you. Welcome to the show.
0: Wow, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for that great intro. Have we decided how we're going to keep all these Jared's straight on this episode?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we actually have a question about that here in a moment, but before (laughs) we get to that, let's kick off with the icebreaker. And I ask this on every, every... Every episode, everybody I talk to, what is the best concert that you have ever been to?
0: Oh, wow. The best concert I've ever been to. That is a great question. The very first concert they ever went to was Outcast, And it was very strange because it was at Wabash College, which is an all-guys school in Indiana. And it actually ended prematurely because people started throwing bottles at the stage, which was really <laughs> unfortunate. You know, actually, probably the one that really comes to mind, I saw the Counting Crows in Indianapolis. And they can be a little hit or miss when you see them live. I've seen them a few times. But this show in particular, it started raining. And so they kept playing during the rain. Of course, if you're at a concert and it starts raining, it just kind of adds that extra layer of drama and excitement to it. And Adam Duritz was really into it. So I would probably say that one. That's certainly the first one that comes to mind. And one other one. If you haven't heard the band Father John Misty, fantastic. I saw him in Dallas kind of on his very first tour. He's playing a lot of bigger venues now, but he was playing this really small venue in Dallas. And the name is Sons of Herman Hall. It just wanted a real intimate show. There were maybe only 100, 150 people there, but just spectacular. Unbelievable.
1: Okay. There's some homework for the listeners. <laughs> I've never heard of that band, but I'm going to be looking them up for sure. Yeah. Jared, let's go into blank versus blank. And I'm going to have Laura go ahead and kick us off with the first one.
2: Right. Jared, yes. <laughs> who would you rather see live in concert? The Temper Trap versus Tudor Cinema Club versus California Wives.
0: Oh, my. Well, I've seen both the temper trap and two door cinema club live. Both were great. I would have to go with the temper trap because I actually went back and met the guys after the show, had them sign something for a friend of mine. And they were just really nice. And their live show was really good. So I'll go with them.
1: Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. So you actually got to hang out with him.
0: Uh, Well, I didn't really hang out with him. Just had him sign a piece of merchandise and took a picture.
1: (laughs) But you're Jared Morris. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's talk about that. So let's talk about blank versus blank. The next one is the appropriate spelling for the name Jared. J-E-R-O-D versus J-A-R-E-D.
0: Well, my girlfriend would go with J-A-R-E-D because she makes fun of me all the time and says that I mispronounce my name and that it should be Gerard and not Jared. Which, when I played basketball back in high school, that used to be how I would get introduced on road games. You know, they would say Gerard Morris. And I'm looking around like, no, no, it's Jared. But yeah, my mom decided to go with that spelling and it's led to a lifetime of mispronunciations. But so I would say technically yours is the correct pronunciation or the correct spelling of
1: it. Well, hopefully your girlfriend is not hinting at Jared the Jewelry Store.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> well,
1: perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. Okay, well, we'll go and ask this. Uh, this will be the last blank versus blank. Let's talk Major League Baseball for a moment. Texas Rangers versus the Chicago White Sox.
0: Well, i got to go Chicago White Sox. That's my team. And I was actually at the two games this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Sox lost on Saturday, but we won on Sunday. So I will say this. I live in Dallas now, so I've gotten more into the Rangers. Big fan of their manager, Ron Washington. So I root for them when they're not playing the White Sox, but... You know, I got to go with my heart on that one, and I've always been a White Sox fan.
1: <laughs> now, I will stop there for a second. You have an interesting taste in teams. I've kind of looked at what you've been up to online, whether it's baseball, basketball, like your teams are spread out. It's not like all one major city. I was curious if you'd speak to that for a second. Well,
0: yes, they are. I grew up in Indiana and in Bloomington, and so my dad was actually, he was an assistant football coach for Indiana, and so that's where the love for Indiana started from a very young age. Now, when you live in Bloomington, you don't really have a baseball team because there's no team in Indiana. And so most people are either Cubs fans or Reds fans. And I hated the Cubs because I always (laughs) thought it's silly that people like them because they lose. I never understood that. And so (laughs) I kind of gravitated towards the White Sox almost as an anti-Cubs measure in the beginning. But then just because their games were on and they had Frank Thomas, I became a genuine fan of them. And then as far as the NFL goes, my dad's a scout now. So he was with the Browns for a while. and Now he's with the San Francisco 49ers. And so football-wise, I've always just kind of followed wherever he is. And so it's made me a bit of a football nomad. But Indiana and the White Sox, they're the two kind of base teams that I always go back to.
1: Okay, fair enough. Let's go in to finish this sentence. And Laura, if you'd kick us off.
2: Of course. So this should be fresh on your mind. The key to successfully hiding Easter eggs...
0: the key is having transparent eggs, and they have kind of a slight tint of color, and then you've got to match up that tint of color with the background that you're putting it in front of. And my dad's become an expert at that because it makes it so easy to overlook them.
2: Genius, genius! (laughs) I just wrote that down.
1: Well, for those who pay attention to your Instagram, you have this awesome picture of an egg that I had to, like, actually really look for in the picture. Yeah, <laughs> that no. Apparently, tough. your dad
0: Yeah. Hid. We, we all were looking for it for a while. <laughs> he did a good job. Yeah, he of it. did.
1: <laughs> okay. The next finish sentence is, if you want to post arresting images on your site, blank. Oh, that's such a great question.
0: And there's so many things going through my mind right now. I would say have a wide okay. variety of sources that you can choose from. Probably the biggest thing that I've learned from Damien about that topic, actually, is just the many different places he goes from, which is why he always chooses, he always finds such great pictures for his posts.
1: And you guys just had a really good podcast on that, so I'd recommend people check that out. Thank you. All right, let's keep going, Laura. So,
2: Jared, as a director of content on one of the biggest blogs in the world, I'm curious, what do you look for when deciding on content published or topics to write about?
0: Will it be useful to our audience? That's the number one thing. It's obviously important to have an understanding of who our audience is, what they want, what will help them. And that's really the main litmus test. You know, it's will this piece of content, will it help them further their goals? Will it start an interesting discussion, inspired thought in their head? That's really it. And then obviously it trickles down from there and it's got to be good. It's got to be well produced, all those things. But it's got to be useful. That's our goal. We want to be useful to our audience with every piece of content that we produce.
1: You definitely are, yeah. Absolutely. Well, one thing I appreciate is you're – audience could be slightly segmented because it's primarily bloggers, but you're also doing a lot more podcasting stuff. But you're still finding ways to produce useful stuff for podcasters as well. I certainly appreciate that.
0: Yeah. And that's really been a focus this year, too, is getting more into the podcasting and re-kicking off the lead, which had been the Internet Marketing for Smart People podcast. So kind of rebranding that and doing some different things with that. And then what Brian and Robert are doing over with the new Rainmaker podcast, which is fascinating. And really, they're kind of blazing new trails for what you can do with a podcast as a lead-in for a product as well. So yeah, I mean, it's a medium. It's funny, you know, podcasting, it seemed to really kind of explode, I don't know, four or five years ago, and then it went down a little bit. And now it feels like it's coming back, at least from my perspective. I know just as a listener, that's kind of how I did it. I started listening, didn't listen as much, and now I listen to podcasts all the time. And so I think, hey, if the users are demanding it and they're showing that's a preferred way to consume content, that's how we want to give it to them.
1: Sure. Jared, in your experience, what makes content shareable?
0: Well, it's got to be useful. And I think there's got to be a hook. Because when you share something, you don't have hundreds and hundreds of words to explain to people why it's interesting. So you have to be able to sum it up in a headline, really. I mean, you basically have one sentence to tell people why something's interesting, because you're either sharing it on Twitter or on Instagram, it's got to have image that catches you right away. So, I mean, there's got to be some hook, something quick that is going to capture people's attention, get them to click over. And then hopefully you've structured it in a way that will be interesting enough for them to read the whole thing or consume the whole thing. But you got to have a hook, something that can catch people in, in a split second because attention spans are fragmented and short. And so you got to grab it.
2: Jared, you produce so much content. Like It's insane <laughs> how much you write. Where do you look for inspiration?
0: Everywhere. <laughs> it really, it just kind of depends. I think I've tried to be much more deliberate with who I have in my feeds, who I have coming into my inbox, because there's so much content out there to be inspired by, and that leads to the next post or the next idea. And so I try to be very deliberate with that. And then also, as I'm finding, just doing things. You can only find things to write about so much by sitting in front of your computer and reading from other people. You got to just go out and do stuff. And I know I fight that. Sometimes it's very easy to get comfortable behind the computer. But I think you got to get out and get away from the computer to really find the new ideas, the fresh ideas that are really going to inspire where you're not just parroting other people.
1: Jared, in your personal blog, you share life lessons in 250 words accompanied by a reading. So... Do you accompany the post with audio as a compliment or an alternative way for your audience to consume your content?
0: I think an alternative. Again, that's kind of one of those ideas I just wanted to try out. I'm glad you reminded me of that because I need to get back into those. I haven't done one in a while. You know, it's really it's one of those things I wanted to practice. I wanted to practice my reading skills and recording skills. You know, because I hear Robert do it on the new Rainmaker podcast, and he's so good at it. And it's one of those things that just requires practice. And so that's why I started doing that. Was really kind of just for myself and to practice, but you know, I wanted out there. I find that I really like those short little podcasts, the short little nuggets that you can listen to really quickly, kind of how we structured the lead. And so I thought it might be a good alternative, something that if people want to subscribe to a short two, three minute little set of lessons, that there might be an audience there for that.
2: So as we said before, you write a lot, but not only a lot, always consistently. So it's about content marketing, fantasy sports, (laughs) IU basketball, life lessons. Do you have a system to get all this writing done?
0: Do I have a system?
2: Yes. That you can Um, share with us. Maybe it's a secret.
0: I feel like I'm constant. There's no secret, really. I mean, the only secret is you've just got to set aside time and do it. And I feel like I'm constantly fighting with that. You know, fighting... This nagging feeling that I'm not managing my time well enough. And so, right now, I'm reading Managing Your Day to Day, the book that 99U put out. And I just, I can, you know, I'm finding some really great tips in there about how to manage your time, manage your day, and make sure that you budget time in your day for creativity and for just focused time because it's so hard to find that. And so, I think that's the only quote unquote secret is. You've just got to find time to turn off your phone, turn off Skype, turn off Twitter, turn everything off, and just focus. And that's really the only way to get any amount of writing done.
1: Uh, Well said. Jared, you write great posts on WordPress themes. So what are some tips for the listeners to choose a WordPress theme that's right for their blog? And what are some questions that the listeners could ask themselves to help them choose the right theme?
0: I think if you're not a designer like me, going with a theme framework is a great thing to do because you can get a really professional-looking design at a good price. And if you're with a framework you know, like ours, like Genesis, that is actively maintained, it's going to help you keep up to date with security, keep up to date with the latest advancements in design. And then I think from there, choose a child theme that's as close to the finished product as you want. So really be deliberate. Really think about it and invest some time because if you just choose any old child theme and think, okay, I can customize it and I think you're going to have some trouble. So really try and, and think about what you want the site to do, what your goals are, find the theme that really fits that so that you have to do as few customizations as possible. And I think then you'll be off on a really good foot and ready to go.
2: Recently, you did a Hangout and repurposed it as a podcast with Brian Clark as a guest. Mm-hmm. Did that work out as you expected? And do you prefer Hangouts versus Skype for interviewing? And if so, why? I know it's a lot.
0: It worked out a hundred times better than I expected, and we're actually we're recording episode two of that series with Sonia Simone later today, so I can't wait. The response from people was so much better than I thought. You know, I guess it's one of those. You know, it's the three of us talking, and there's inside jokes going back and forth, and I don't know. There's almost as much laughter as there is, you know, real advice being given, and so I wondered how people would respond to that. But I think people like that. I think people like getting to know the people that they read and they see online. And so I think it still surprised me, though. I wasn't sure how that was going to go over. I much, much, much prefer the Hangout format because I like the interaction of being able to see people. Like, we're talking right now, and, and I've got your voices in my head, but there's an extra layer of interaction I feel like you can get when you can see the person. It's more like a conversation. I feel like you just get a more natural interaction between people in the Hangout format just because you can see each other.
2: I got to say, I watched it and I loved it. I thought it was creative, (laughs) innovative. So thank you. Thanks for that.
0: Thank you. It was much more fun to produce than I thought it was going to be. It was great.
2: And it translated. You could see us as audience. You could see you guys were having a lot of fun.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, we were. (laughs) Jared, would you be willing to share your secret sauce on how you take the Hangout audio and use that for the podcast? Sure.
0: I mean, as soon as you get done with a Hangout, it uploads the video to YouTube. And then through YouTube, you can download the MP4. So you can get that MP4, that video file right onto your computer. And then I have a little program convert to AIFF. I'm not even sure. That may be part of QuickTime. I don't know if I downloaded it. But anyway, I know it was a free tool. And so I just take that video, convert it into an AIFF file, and then from there, you can import an AIFF file directly into GarageBand and use that as the audio. And so you don't get quite as crisp audio through the Hangout as you do through Skype, but it's good enough. Mm-hmm. And so it's a you know, pretty easy conversion process for longer files like, you know, like that one. I think that one was about 45 minutes. It's a pretty big file. So it you know, takes about maybe 10 minutes to download it and convert it and all that. But well worth it. It's just, I mean, it's just free tools. There's really
1: nothing special going on there. Well, I love the hot seats. I think they've sounded great. Oh,
0: good. Good. Thank you.
1: Let's talk about repurposing content. Mm -hmm. So what should a listener consider to make content adaptable to the different platforms?
0: Well, you know, you got to think about it from a user perspective and how they're going to be interacting with that content. And so, you know, for a podcast, if it's just audio, you know, you really want to make that audio, that listening experience rich and maximize the medium. And so for a video, if you're doing a Hangout, I think you want to make sure that there's something visually interesting there. Because if there's not, then just do a podcast, right? So that's why for the Hangout, a Hangout gives you tools you have all the different audio tools that it gives you and you have this interaction between the people. And so you want to make sure that you're using that to the best of your abilities. And then don't think that just because you do it on one place that it has to stay there. You know, If you have a podcast, one of the biggest things I've been surprised by with the lead is how many people just bypass listening altogether and just read the transcript. And so because that's not even something I was considering doing, But we do the transcripts and people love it in that format. And so I would imagine at some point when we're done with the 11 essential ingredients of a blog post series, we'll probably take that and put it into some kind of ebook, you know, just using the transcript, editing it down. And so think about the different ways that people can use the content. You know, number one, when you're producing it, maximize the medium. And then number two, Kind of think outside the box and say, okay, I've got this podcast. How might someone else use this? Well, for people who don't listen to podcasts, they might read it. So find the most efficient way to convert it into that format. With a transcript, you know, you want to spend some time editing it because you don't want it to be read necessarily exactly how it sounds when you're speaking. And so, you know, you definitely want to do some editing there to make sure, again, that you're maximizing the medium and make it as easy for people to read as possible.
1: Sure.
2: So, Jared, what are some of the best topics for evergreen content, in your opinion?
0: Well, I think it really just depends on what your topic is. But I think it's the kind of question that people are always asking, right? So, you know, for me, evergreen content, you know, as new people come in, you know, like with content marketing, right? As new people step into the realm of content marketing, what are they asking about? Well, they're going to be asking about copywriting. You know, how do I write for the web? And so that's going to be evergreen type content. You know, you look at the Indiana Hoosiers podcast that we do, and we're going to come up with this top 20 Hoosiers of all time. That's evergreen because fans of any age, if they're new fans, if they're old fans, that's content they're going to enjoy and that's going to be relevant to anybody. So you just have to really look at it from your topic area. And I like to look at it from when someone new steps into this, what are they going to be the first few questions they're going to ask? And that's content that's evergreen because as long as there's always new people getting into being a fan of a certain team or writing online, which there always will be, that content's always going to be relevant.
1: Thanks. Jared, I have a confession. Uh, my confession is I want to be a better writer. necessarily feel that I am a quote-unquote good writer. So what advice do you give for people who say to you, I'm not really a good writer. What, what advice do you say to them to help them to improve their writing? Well,
0: I have a confession, too, and I don't think I'm a very good writer either. And so I think, to me, I think humility is the most important thing that you can have as a writer because... That will remind you that to be better, you just have to always do it. You know, you don't reach this point where you know everything. There are always ways to get better. There are always new things to learn. And so you just have to keep doing it. And I think take wherever place you are as a writer and just say, I want to get better with this next piece that I write and then get better with this next piece that I write and kind of practice with intention. And so find mentors, you know, for me a guy like Damian Farnworth is a great mentor because he's studied copywriting for so long and knows so many different skills and kind of tips and tricks of the trade. And so it helps me. I try and, you know, learn a few things from him and then go put it into my next piece, you know? So you kind of learn, practice and then repeat. And I think the more that you do that just over time you get better. There's no real magic pill. There's no magic book that's just going to make you better. You just got to learn and then go put it into practice and then do that over and over again enough and you start to get better.
2: All right. Well, since we're confessing things, for those of us who don't really enjoy writing, but Mm -hmm. obviously feel like we have to do it for our blogs or our business, do you have any advice on how maybe to get more into it or look at it from a different perspective?
0: That's a really good question. I think probably the first thing that I would do is look, there are topics that I don't really enjoy, you know, writing. I do like the process, but there are some topics I don't like. So I would say understand the goal. I mean, why are you writing? Because I think if you know your why, at the very least you can be motivated to do it. And typically we like things that we're motivated by. And so even if you're kind of tricking yourself into it, <laughs> you know, by let me find my why, let me get motivated, then I'll like it. I think if you can do that, it'll really help. To me, the stuff that I really don't like writing is where I just feel like I don't necessarily know the purpose behind it. You know, why am I doing this? Which a lot of times will lead me to just stop doing it. But I think that's important. Why are you writing? What's the goal behind it? And if you can channel that motivation, hopefully then, even if you're not just being filled with this great joy at the process, at least you can enjoy it from the standpoint of I'm motivated to do it because it's leading me to a goal
2: right the final result of what you're I get it yeah. that's a good one definitely put in practice tonight <laughs> <laughs> Jared,
1: I don't want to ask this next question but I'm going to Uh-oh. no I'm kidding <laughs> I do want to ask this next question So I am highly motivated. What strategies from Copyblogger's system for content can you recommend entrepreneurs uh, to follow in order to help them grow their blog audience?
0: I think having an editorial calendar is really important. And that's something that I had never really done before, but have really gotten into since I joined Copyblogger. I just think being able to have an idea of what's coming, where you've been kind of in a snapshot will help you, you know, understand maybe what your readers need, what they've gotten too much of, it helps you stick to a schedule. I mean, come hell or high water, we're putting out a post at eight o'clock in the morning. You know, that's going in there. And so if there's a blank spot on the calendar, I start breaking out into cold sweats. You know, we got to make sure that gets filled, but it keeps you with that because I think, I think one of the most important things you can do is develop within your audience a level of trust that they know that at this certain time when they're expecting your content, it'll be there. It's like with our post-game show after IU games. you know, like I mean, if we're only there every other game or something, people don't know where to go. We got to be there every single game because that's what we promise and that's what we say we're going to do. Same thing with Copyblogger. That post needs to go out every day because people are expecting it. And so I think that just sticking to the promises that you make and just from a technique standpoint or from a tactic standpoint, having that calendar... Staring you in the face every day is a tool that can really help you do that.
2: Now that we're wrapping up, and obviously, Jared and I are very interested in what you're doing and really do put out excellent work. But who is doing something that interests
0: you? Oh, man, there's so many people out there that are doing things that are interesting me. I mean, you know, Jared is doing things that are interesting me now. I want to check out your podcast. The Podcast Movement, which is coming to Dallas, is exceptionally interesting to me. That is something that is very interesting to me. You know, the podcast movement in Dallas, what we're doing with Authority Intensive in May, getting people together, like minded people who are out doing all of these amazing things and just being able to interact. That's interesting. And I'm seeing more and more of it pop up, it seems like, and with more specific niches. You know, I mean, I think it's great to have this thing in Dallas where it's just going to be podcasters getting together, and in May, in Denver, where it's going to be content marketing. Shoot, In October, I'm going to be speaking in Las Vegas, pet sittingology, which is something Joshua Carey started, where it's pet sitters getting together who have started their online business and they're doing their thing and they're trying to get better at it. And this is the third year of the event. And so you think, wow, that's so specific of a niche. Is there really that kind of possibility there, potential there? And there is. I mean, you need someone like Joshua who can drive it and who's motivated and has the knowledge. But that to me is interesting. All of these little micro niches that aren't just meeting in chat rooms. I mean, they're getting together in Las Vegas for these great conferences to share ideas and get better and moving the ball forward from that perspective and taking it you know, offline and taking it in person to me. is Anybody who's doing that, that's interesting because that's where I think all this knowledge and networking just explode and really pushes the ball forward.
1: <laughs> There's some pet owners that listen to the show right now. Their ears just perked up. Yeah. They're like g- yeah. googling that conference. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. I love it, Jared. What is the best place for the listeners to stay connected with everything that you're doing online?
0: Whatever more convenient for them, really. Twitter, Jared Morris, or if you go to Google Plus, I really started using Google Plus a lot more. I love it. Just you know the way that it works, the way it incorporates imagery, and just all the different things that they're doing with it. So really, either one of those places would be great
2: thanks and one last question for me yes. do you have any final thoughts for the listeners?
0: any final thoughts for the listeners? I think I would just reiterate what I said earlier, which is know your why because I think with everything that we try and do I'm finding this with myself right now why why is is becoming better at managing my time so important you know it's because I want to do x, y and z It's not because I want to manage my time it's because I want to manage my time better so i have time to work out so I'm in better shape so I'm healthier so that I can write more and have more time for side projects and other things to build. It's so know those whys, take it out four or five steps because that's what's really motivating. Knowing how to manage my time, I don't care about that, but being healthier, having more projects I'm motivated by, you know, having things I'm proud of. Those are the things that really get me back to here, which are the tactics that will help me achieve my goals. So I think if you know that why, it makes everything not easier, but simpler, you know, and it makes those decisions when you're in the trenches a lot easier. You know, am I going to pull out my phone and check Instagram or am I going to stay focused right here on what I need to be doing? And those little mini decisions we have to make all day, if we have our why in mind, it helps make those easier. So
1: true. Thank you. Well, Laura and I are going to put down Instagram now and just say thank you, Jared, for <laughs> taking time to chat with us. We really appreciate everything. And best wishes to you and the team at Coffee Blogger and everything you're working Man, thank on.
0: Thank you for having me. This was great. It was a lot of fun. is the most important thing that you can have as a writer, because that will remind you that to be better, you just have to always do it. You know, you don't reach this point where you know everything. There are always ways to get better. There are always new things to learn. And so you just have to keep doing it. And I think take wherever place you are as a writer and just say, I want to get better with this next piece that I write and then get better with this next piece that I write and kind of practice with intention.